all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Well, becoming a mother is typically viewed as a happy event, right? We expect new mothers to be joyfully ready to take on their new job. Well, the reality of motherhood is that it requires many changes and presents challenges for which new mothers often don't feel emotionally prepared. Instead of joyful, many women feel distressed, anxious, and afraid of failure. Well, today we have Dr. Courtney Walker, psychologist at UMMC and a new mother, to help us talk through the dramatic changes that occur with motherhood and how we need to all do a better job of being supportive. Well, you know, becoming a mother is is typically viewed as a really joyous, happy event. But, you know, we expect mothers to be overly happy, ready to take on their new job, When the reality of it is that motherhood is a big change, especially new motherhood, but even having a second or third child requires a lot of changes and presents challenges. And, you know, often mothers don't feel emotionally prepared. Instead of feeling joyful, many times women feel distressed, overly burdened, anxious, even depressed, and many feel afraid of failure even if they are not actually depressed. So the good news is today we have Dr. Courtney Walker, psychologist at the University of Mississippi Medical Center at our Center for the Advancement of Youth. She's also a new mother, and she'll help us talk through some of the the dramatic changes that occur with motherhood, some of the problems that luckily we in the scientific and medical community and psychological community understand a little bit better um, how much uh, burden new motherhood can be and how difficult it can be and 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 also how maybe we need to navigate through this with mothers and help them more and recognize more when there might be issues, how we can be supportive. So thank you for being here with us, Dr. Walker. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me back. Well, love always having you and your great wealth of knowledge. <laughs> so, so, you know... Um, 
What researchers have found that sort of contrary to what we have in our minds about motherhood and joy, um, many, many women are just really struggling. And and even, I think I saw something that upwards of 11% of women actually have postpartum depression. Somewhere so. between that. Some mm-hmm. uh, some rates are as high as 15%. Mm-hmm. Which is, is something that I think has drastically been under-recognized. But I think what, in, in my readings as I was looking into this topic more, what, what I found is that there, that 11 to 15 percent is just sort of, as we always say, the tip of the iceberg, but that there are, um, there's emotional distress often in, in many. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thinking back, I have four biologic children and five children I call my own, but, um, you know, I can remember, um, particularly um, with a couple of the pregnancies just really struggling a little bit and not not really calling it depression, but perhaps feeling like I was not as energized as I thought I should be, mm-hmm. um, not doing as good of a job as I thought I should have been doing. And, and you know, I had a very wonderful support system. Mm-hmm. And I still struggle. So yeah, you know, uh, I just went through this experience, and so I can, you know, I recall, you know, a couple days after I gave birth, I started having what we call the baby blues, and mm-hmm. so that's very different from postpartum depression, and actually super common, and a lot of women experience it, but no one prepares you for it, right? Right. That crash of hormones, right? The tears, the worry, the anxiety, and it almost—I can even remember the minute that I started feeling that. I was like, "What the heck happened?" Yeah. The adrenaline wore off from having yeah. a new baby, yeah. and you know all of that. And um, it's so interesting that we don't even have supports for moms in place at that time. Our standard of care is that we follow up at six weeks, right, after delivery. So no one's really checking in at that time either. Yeah. So it makes it even more difficult. It makes it much harder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've heard me talk about Amsterdam and my visits there over and over. I know people roll their eyes, but I can remember many years ago, my first time in Amsterdam, um, they had nurse visits in the home of every single birth birth mother um, at two weeks. Mm-hmm. They they were in the home to check on them mm-hmm. to make sure breastfeeding was going okay, to make sure mother was okay, to to make sure that the surroundings were okay. Of course, their infant mator- uh, mortality rate is very low, mm-hmm. but also the general sense of well being. If you look at countries that where there is a general happiness index it's it's the countries that do such mm-hmm. and and i think because it sets the stage for life in a, in such a more positive supportive manner yeah I, you know i've read about the postpartum period and other cultures and it is vastly different mm-hmm. than what we do here yeah. it's a lot more supportive um, they really do treat that as another trimester and provide health care for that mother through that period and just like support with nutrition and like you said lactation support mental health support very different from what we do here yeah yeah 
So, listeners, as we step through this, I'd love to hear your thoughts. We both would on on what you think the difference may be. Why are we seeing or are we seeing more postpartum anxiety and and depression? Do you do you think that there is something going on in our society or lack thereof as far as support? that is causing this and i'd love to hear your story so jump in the conversation whenever now is good before the radio show dr walker you and i were talking about um an article that um i had had read about a survey um by pew research and you know the research engine for many years and it was done a long time ago i was reading the survey and and i'm thinking oh this is present day and then i look back at the date and it was done in 2007 so a while ago but it it sounds sort of like present day time um because there was a lot of talk about um women not you know the 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 standard of motherhood and how well women were doing and and the view in that survey was that women weren't doing as well as they were 20 years ago previous to that so that would be you know in the in the early 1990s and so and you know they looked at who was who was predominantly saying that women weren't doing as well and it was women who were in their 50s grandmothers feeling like i guess their daughters or or their their younger individuals around them uh did not do as well as as women who in their time mm-hmm. and you and I were talking about well there's some pretty obvious reasons mm-hmm. for some of that right right um so you know one of them being that more women are in the workforce and right. they have to split their time between being a mom and a full-time employee right. and and you know some places uh what if your job doesn't even allow you to have maternity leave so you get birth and then you have to go right back to being um a full-time worker Man, the stress of that. That's hugely (laughs) stressful. Right. And, you know, other things um, like the expectations of of women now uh, maybe are a little bit different. But I do think that so many times women think because they don't know the difference is that you know, now they're a new mother, they need to keep up doing everything else that they were doing previous. To perfection. To perfection. Yes. Um, keeping a house, mm-hmm. you know. and Cooking. Cooking and, you know, preparing um, their their babies as they move on um, in, in life. I know for me, um, I was... Uh, a pediatric resident, but I insisted on making my own baby food when my child got older and ready, you know, so it had to all be natural and done by my hands. (laughs) And so, you know, what happens is that you go um, from taking care of you or taking care of you and your spouse or each other to to having this little individual that takes an inordinate amount of time, mm-hmm. especially in the newborn period. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
every losing. single minute. <laughs> every single minute. And then you put on top of that the anxiety that something might happen to the baby right. at your at your hands. Right. Not you know what I mean, that that perhaps you miss something. Perhaps there's something that happened. We still all, I think, as new mothers worry about even said sudden infant yes, death absolutely. syndrome. Absolutely. Even yes. though the incidence is lower and we know the back to sleep campaign has helped, still. Oh, it's still there. It's and still there. There's a level of, um, you know, we can talk about this once we talk more about mood and anxiety disorders in the perinatal period, but there is a level of normal, I would say, um, normal amount of intrusive anxiety thoughts that you mm-hmm. have in that newborn period. And there's a purpose to them, right? Mm-hmm. I have to keep my baby safe. I have mm-hmm. to keep them healthy. And it's almost something that you can't even turn off. That right? hyper alert. Yeah. Yeah. So then there's sleep <clears throat> deprivation. And uh-huh. we on this show have talked about the value of sleep and what it does to mood, anxiety, depression, um, and and even emotional control otherwise, mm-hmm. like anger mm-hmm. and other things that, you know, lack of sleep, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I know there were times um, during those newborn periods, every now and then I would snap and say something to my husband or say something to the other child. And then I go, who am I? Mm-hmm. There's a there's a term for it. It's the postpartum rage. Ah. And so it, that we've identified it, we've named it. It's such a common thing that so many women experience. Mm-hmm. It's it's rage, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It's uh, sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You wake up every two hours, sometimes every hour, to feed your newborn. If you're breastfeeding, that takes a toll. Yeah, and if you're bottle feeding, it may be three every three, oh, but still. Big difference, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So those are the kinds of things that I think we... We know those kinds of stressors can can then um, present with some pretty serious and negative behavior. And we'll go to our first break, and when we come back, we'll talk about a, a terrible incident that that just sort of highlights how bad things can be and why we need to be more attentive to what's going on. With, um, with mothers. Today we have Dr. Courtney Walker with us, a psychologist and um, expert in this area on infant mental health and, and um, maternal depression. So now we don't want you to think that we're only going to talk about depression because there, there are other issues and, you know, but probably the most serious is the, the depressive effect. And, and I think many of you have heard stories in the news and there's one just really terrible, tragic story, right? Yeah. Um, this was the mom in Massachusetts who was mm-hmm. charged with um, murdering her three kids. Mm-hmm. So she had an eight month old, I think a five year old and a uh, Mm three-year-old and you know it got a lot of national attention one because from what i can tell all the people close to her were just absolutely shocked Um, this is a mom that loved her children was so involved was showing pictures just a, a very loving mother and they just could not fathom how she could do this 
And so I think what they're trying to argue is that she was experiencing postpartum psychosis. And postpartum psychosis is very rare. Um, it really happens every one to two out of 1,000 births. But when it happens, it's very severe, and we still don't really understand a lot of it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think about half of all cases, they've never even had a psychotic episode before. Um, and there's So some, no previous history of significant mental illness before. No, and yeah. it's something that's, that's kind of you know, happening in this distinct postpartum period, which kind of makes it so scary. Um, But, you know, even of the women who do have postpartum psychosis, infanticide or what what we call, you know, what's Mm -hmm. happened in this case Mm -hmm. is still very rare. Um, So not everyone who experiences postpartum psychosis is at risk. Uh, Only about 5% um, have uh, confirmed infanticide cases. But it's very clear, at least to me when I read through her stories, that she was suffering. She would had been calling out for help, had been getting some treatment for depression, but I think the psychosis piece was just being missed mm-hmm. for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really tough, mm-hmm. and just um, you know how that causes such an emotional reaction. I think from anybody who reads a story, a woman kills her three children. How? Right. How could that happen? How could that happen? And and she must be an evil, horrible person. And, you know, it's just one of those things that we hope if we do a better job of, first of all, recognizing I'm you know, at least she tried. It yeah. seemed like she was trying to get some help. Yeah. But recognizing the fact that there there are a number of individuals out there who have have difficulty and you know, maybe we should get to to looking at maternal distress um, not as a, 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 a medical problem as much, mm-hmm. but more as something that is somewhat of a normal response. Correct. You know, yeah. I mean, I think you wouldn't be a very deep thinker if if you didn't worry anything about your ability to be a mother. Right, right. right. You know, psychosis is its own thing, but even just like depression and anxiety, Right. There is a purpose to being anxious about our children. We have to make sure that they're safe, but there's a line that some sometimes it gets crossed, especially if you have other stressors going on, like we're just talking about normal deliveries and normal pregnancies. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. if you had a traumatic delivery? Right. What if you had a baby in the NICU? What if you yourself had a history of infertility and loss? All those things can increase your risk and add you know, um, just additional stressors onto that postpartum period. Yeah, and you know, you and I really wanted to do this this show a couple of weeks ago and just couldn't do the schedule. But, you know, as Mother's Day um, was coming up, you know, we, you know, we often talk, mothers should be joyous and happy. And, you know, they're the, I wonder how there, I know there were some women out there who, um, Maybe Mother's Day was not making them feel yeah. joyous and happy. Well, and, and you know, and I was one of those before mm-hmm. I had my son. So, you know, we had a history of losses mm-hmm. and infertility and, you know, we're so lucky to be able to have him through fertility treatment. But there were about three or four years of Mother's Day that just brought me sadness mm-hmm. because it was a reminder that my babies were not here with me. Yeah. And I think sometimes those moms are forgotten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, while we're on that topic, if you don't mind, I'd like to go a little bit further with that. Um, and, and maybe this would be another thing I'd like to hear from listeners out there who, who perhaps struggled, as Dr. Walker did, um, with uh, fertility issues and perhaps um, how, how you have felt on Mother's Day because I have often wondered, I have, you obviously are a friend of mine, but I also have other friends who have struggled um, with with that. And um, do you have a suggestion on how maybe at Mother's Day, if somebody looked you in the eye and, you know, everybody was getting happy Mother's Day, thank you, thank you, how would you have wanted or would you have wanted anybody to say anything? I think it all comes down to an individual and what mm-hmm. they want. And so, of course, I wouldn't just shout it, you know, in front of them in a group of people. I'd probably text something private and just say, hey, you know, especially if you know of their journey, mm-hmm. say, I understand today may have some, you know, uh, some feelings associated with it. How would you like for me to celebrate or not celebrate this day with you? Do you want me to tell you happy Mother's Day? What what would you like? And, you know, some people are like, no, you don't have to tell me that. But the folks that I have in my close circle wanted some recognition, especially if they had a history of loss, um, because to them, they are mothers. Yeah. And they have mothered. And um, it's important to be recognized. Yeah. But I think just an individual just private conversation. Private conversation. Mm-hmm. About how yeah. they want to celebrate it or not. Yeah. yeah. I think that is one area that we probably, many of us are probably not sensitive enough about. Well, and, and it's, so. you know, it makes sense. If you haven't gone through it, then how would you know, you know? I would have never known if yeah. um, if I hadn't gone through it myself. Wouldn't have never thought about it. Yeah. 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 So listeners, join in. We'd love to hear if you had a loss, what would you what would you like to happen? Or or have you even thought about it? Give us a call, one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're gonna go to the phones. We have Craig in Biloxi with a good question. Hey Craig. Yeah, I was just wondering if there's any positive things you can do for uh, women with the with the depression, like exercise or diet. And are these call centers trained to deal with uh, the depression of, of this sort? Good, great questions, Courtney. You want to start? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, the the good thing is, is there's a lot of things that moms can do, and their support systems can help out with to alleviate it. You know, if there is true postpartum depression. You know, we're always going to recommend seeing a um, a therapist and a medical professional to determine whether or not medication might be helpful. Um, but there's also some other things that folks can do in conjunction with those things that help alleviate mood. And we know that, you know, it, I, you threw out exercise and as a new mom... Yes, that would be fantastic, <laughs> but there's some things that, you know, compete with that, like, uh, you know, the baby, and then, you know, just recovery from delivery, especially if you have, like, a C-section or something, but just walking can be helpful, um, supporting mothers, if they, if moms need to sleep, you know, mm-hmm. offering to, you know, watch the baby so they can just sleep um, and get some good sleep, because that can always help with postpartum depression, Um 
some other things. So some of the call centers aren't very familiar with it, um, but there is a national hotline just for postpartum issues. Um, it's through Postpartum Support International, and they that's all they do. And so they are very familiar with postpartum depression, anxiety, psychosis, all of those things, and can help connect mothers to clinicians and uh, medical professionals in their area to help get support. So that I love that resource. It's a free resource. They even have uh, free online support groups for moms and dads. Um, so really great resource if you don't know about it. That sounds really good. Craig, I'm going to ask you, do you, do you, do you have children? Uh, yes, I have grandchildren, too. Yes. And, I'm a senior. Yeah, I think um, one thing we were talking about, and, and this might be a good time to visit back to the the more women work now and and have families. And, Craig, I'd love to hear your take on this one, too. Um, as we were talking, Dr. Walker, why don't you tell Craig about some of the, yeah. um, and our listeners, of course, yeah. about some of the benefits, perhaps, of of having a mother who works outside the home. Before I go any further with that, I do want to say that every mother works. Every single mother works, whether it's outside um, the home or or in the home or both, because now there's that hybrid, too, Mm -hmm. where a lot of women try to work. um, And manage both. And manage both. Yeah. Well, you know, um, there are some studies out there that suggest that having a working mom, especially a um, boys of working mothers, can benefit. Um, we find that they're a little bit more likely to take on household chores when they have their own family, child care responsibilities, cooking, cleaning. And that's the case for me. So um, my husband, his mother worked. And, you know, he cooks. I don't cook. He's a, an excellent cook. He's an yeah. excellent cook. I don't cook a single thing. And just that alone is so helpful. He helps clean. He helps do all of that. And when I was, you know, first getting home from the hospital, I couldn't have done it without him. Mm-hmm. I really couldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, my job was just to take care of the baby, and he took care of everything else and the diapers, which was really helpful. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, that has that helped tremendously, tremendously. Yeah, so there's some benefits. I don't know, um, Craig, if your if your wife or your 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 grandchildren's um, mother uh, works outside of the home or or uh, not. Yeah, yes, I uh, my wife was working, and uh, I also offered, you know, if she wanted to go to school that she could do that instead of work but you know as long as they did something uh, you know even houseworks you know they they do about a thousand toe touchers every day bending over and picking up everything off of the floor oh yeah <laughs> yeah that, 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 that's pretty much a given and uh you know and i do i do help uh you know with with everything you know you know, all that, I mean, housework, I mean, it's work that has to be done. I mean, just like on a job, you know, most of my jobs I've been foreman on, and I wouldn't get anyone to do something I wouldn't do. So yeah. that includes the housework. So I, I'm glad to do laundry or, or hang up clothes or pick up the mess on the floor. It doesn't matter to me. And I, I do think that that kind of thing, that kind of partnership 
can be so valuable, especially if if a, a woman is struggling with, you know, just feeling adequate to be a mother, much less to to then see the house start to fall apart around her as she has this newborn in her arms trying to to love and nurture that that new little being and you know i'll have to say i'm a pediatrician um as a trained pediatrician you would think that it would have been just absolute smooth sailing (laughs) i would know everything to do and i cannot say and I was from a family of eight, so I had a lot of experience with younger siblings, too. And and I still did not feel fully prepared or adequate. Wow. Same. I, <laughs> Same. So just one of those things that, Craig, I appreciate your call and, and let me tag you back on that one because I, I just think we, we have to remember – that no matter how prepared one thinks they are, often they are not. Um, it, it doesn't matter. And then the other thing that, that Dr. Walker mentioned early is, you know, all the body changes and the hormonal changes and everything that's going on. And so just trying to navigate through that. So... Um, I'm going to go to the next caller because I know Dr. Walker is going to have to leave the show early, and I want the next caller to hear um, hear uh, her response. So it's is it Charles on the road uh, with a comment about women in Congress? Oh, okay. Hey, Charles. Uh, just just a comment. I think that women and child care are very much devalued in our society. We don't pay women equal pay. We don't pay child care workers a living wage. We don't pay our teachers who teach our kids. And, and I, I'm, I'm cynical about it, but I, th- I see the solution is more mothers in Congress. And um, I, I hate to be stereotypical about the men who are there, but most of them are extremely wealthy, and I think they're probably isolated from the problems that everyday people face with child care. And so uh, my solution is more mothers in Congress. Uh, you guys can comment, but I, I really think it won't change until that happens. Wow. I mean, <laughs> you should have seen the head nods going on in here. <laughs> um, Charles, I... I do. I I think men can do a great job in Congress. The unfortunate thing is that so many times either they have not had the life experiences to give them the insight or they have not chosen to react to the life experiences that they have had because Sadly, I think you're right. The The evidence is clear that it's so clear that that women need more support. Um, child care needs to be supplemented because it is too expensive if you're going to have the right kind of child care support. Uh, there are so many problems out there that we could fix if people would really look at the data and and react to it appropriately instead of going oh we have a problem and <laughs> i'm sorry not doing anything about it yeah there's a very clear solution to a lot of these things 
yes. If, if I could, if I could make one more comment, I, I want to uh, agree with what you said. In addition to your comment about uh, Amsterdam, I have a daughter-in-law who is German, mm. and the Western Europeans are appalled at how we devalue um, families and children in our society because we're not economically taking care of them. And I'm going to say one more thing. You talk about mothers who the stresses they have at delivery. We now have um, uh, insurance companies and, and even worse, private equity who are buying up hospitals and medical practices. And mm-hmm. they, view, they, they view care delivery as simply a cost center. And mm-hmm. they're going to wring out profit at the expense of the patient. And that's, that's also, I think, um, really without uh, challenge. Uh, hear, hear. <laughs> I, I think you're right. And, and I've heard the same. Um, you know, even, even countries like India, where there's just abject poverty in so many areas, um, they value their children. They do. They value their children, and they take care of their children over the health of themselves. So something is not right here, and I don't understand why we are having difficulty getting that fixed. But not sure either. And I, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with some of these things were set up when you know moms were still in the home, and that was their primary job. But we haven't caught up. Right. We're women are expected to both now work and to have children. A lot of our families are dual income, you know, households and those infrastructure pieces just haven't caught up yet. Yeah. And, you know, I think the the other piece before we go to our next break, I just have to say is that we continue to spend less on child care not parents but the less support on child care there's less support on that early child development early intervention um, taking care of those infants and babies early on when that is when the height of brain growth is happening the height of development is happening and we would have such better outcome and healthier individuals who are more successful if we just took put put our investment there, the dollars are there. I mean, the the economic studies are there. Mm-hmm. And it's businessmen who did the economic mm-hmm. studies, like financial people mm-hmm. who looked at it. Um, so, Charles, thank you. I'm sorry. I got in my soapbox for a minute because it is, it is all where I am. And the last five years of my life that is all that i have done is looked at early childhood as has dr walker so um yeah i wish there were more men out there like you who um who would say that and support that and then i wish there were women out there who would run for congress and help us get some of these laws i men can do it too Mm -hmm. Um, i'm all in for any man who would help with this too yeah so Thanks for being with us on Relatively Speaking. I am Dr. Susan Buttress, and we have been talking about motherhood and some of the challenges and 
and um, maternal depression, anxiety, the the difficulties in just being a mother and the pressures and what we need to do to to maybe alleviate that, what we need to do to support our young families. And this isn't a show just for mothers. This is a show for families and for for those who care about the future. So I just want us to make sure that whoever you are listening out there, you understand you're part of this and you should be part of this conversation. Okay? So... In a minute, we'll talk about maybe what women likely need as they're moving along and how we can be better supportive of women in their young and and maybe as they move into the older motherhood. Because I will say that taking care of adolescents also can be a challenge at times. But let's go on back to the phones. We have uh, Joe in Kiln down in the south uh, near another area that I love um, about misunderstanding in Congress. So, Joe, talk to us about your thoughts. Hi, how are you today? Thank you for taking my call. Um, yes. um, I want to say I ran for Congress in Utah. And um, while I was doing that, I live in Mississippi now, and I've moved here. But my wife was the main breadwinner in the home all the time. And while I was doing that, I saw a huge disparity in the concept of understanding what the family needs. Mm. Um, With that as well, I also served on the board of directors of Community Services for Children in Pennsylvania. And I was like the father advocate person. Um, I helped with fathers being part of children's lives because... We know all the statistics that go along with that and how, you know, without a father in your life, things will happen and so on and so forth. We need that guidance. But moreover, I think um, we need mother's guidances as well within the home. But when both parents are having to work consistently, um, by the time the parent gets home, they, they don't want to do much with the family or the family group per se. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm just saying that they've had their full day of work and everything going on there. And a lot of employers today are not touching on how hard it is to be a mother and run a home and still do the things you need for your children. And I think we're hearkening back to the day of the latchkey, the latchkey child from like the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is very concerning, isn't it, Joe? And and I wonder, I mean, there, there are adjustments we could make. Uh, of work schedules. There are things that we could do to have supportive child care in businesses. There's so many things that could happen if if people would think outside the box instead of feeling like everything has to be the way it was. So Joe, first of all, thank you for calling in and and um, so you said you ran for Congress. Have you thought about doing it since you've moved to Mississippi? Um, I have not. I've only been here a year, mm. but I had considered doing some stuff locally. And, and I'm a real big person that does stuff for my community, and I believe in helping my community as much as possible. So I'm doing things now with, like, Ruth Roots and the Arts Council here in um, Hancock County. Mm. So I'm trying to get myself out there a little bit more and do a little bit more. And yet, I don't think, though, so much we have to think outside the box. I think a lot of countries like Iceland and Norway and Sweden and, you know, those countries have already formulated wonderful things that we can look at and follow for mothers and fathers and 
you know, just the, the family the family aspect of how they deal with their children on a daily basis and how they work as well. I don't think that there's a loss of anything in any, any of those countries, especially when it comes to the family unit. So I don't think so much outside the box. I just think we have to look at other places and yeah. really follow their needs. <laughs> Yeah, look at other boxes. You're so right. And, you know, again, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, um, when you look at the countries that you just mentioned, all of them are very, very high on the happiness index. It's not it, because that that family unit is there. It's supported. Um, it, 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 it is one of those things that if we would just look at what those countries have done, um, like adjusting work schedule, like shortening work days, like having those home visiting, like investing in that early childhood where there are others if mom and dad are working that that they have that support so i'll i'll i appreciate you saying that you're right there are other boxes that that work very well if we would just look we don't have to recreate anything right exactly exactly well Well, thank you so much for taking the call and i appreciate the work you're doing and hopefully together we can make it happen better I I appreciate that, and I, I want to highlight what Joe said about trying to work in his community and help support the community. We all, if we all did that, our communities would be a lot better. So thank you for that, Joe. Appreciate you. And by the way, um, when when Joe's call came in, and I was looking at sometimes legislators don't don't know exactly what we need. I will say that I was so heartened in this last legislative year by a group of our Mississippi legislators who who did listen, who did. Um, have hearing sessions that I got to be a part of um, for us to go and say what we need. And and they honestly listened. And um, there has been some movement in, in trying to take better care of our young children here in Mississippi. So, and they weren't all women. They were, they were, there was a woman who was in the lead, I have to say, but there were other legislators who, who are very much a part of it, who are men, and I very much appreciate it. So please know, I don't want to sound sexist in any way. I We just need people who care about our children and our young mothers and, and our family unit, our young fathers, too, because they need support, too. And their dads out there who I know are struggling trying to keep things pulled together. So... We we need as as a whole to to make sure that we watch after each other, right? Okay. In these last few minutes, what what I'd really like to do is is talk about maybe what we can do to be supportive. So you know, I've talked a lot about um, about uh, those countries like um, Amsterdam and Norway and others, Germany. Um, but there were some studies done in in Belgium that looked at parental burnout. 
And um, and and they looked at, you know, those feelings of exhaustion. And what happens when you're exhausted is that many times what happens is those pressures of being a parent makes you feel like you need to distance from the family. And that is what our last caller just mentioned, that, you know, the, the exhaustion often will um, from work for mothers and fathers that they get home and they don't have the energy to be able to to take care of the family. And so they fantasize about escaping. And I'm not saying that's a terrible thing. It's just part of burnout. And it's a kind of thing that we do when when we have a job that is exhausting and not rewarding. And so it can be damaging to, to the parents and and the children, obviously the children. So it's really critical to to note and and then to address what to do about uh, that burnout. And so, you know, there are some things that that we need to just think about. And one I mentioned just sort of superficially, and I want to mention it again, to look at perhaps adjustment of work hours um, to see if perhaps work hours could be adjusted so that, um, you know, you go to work at the time the kids go to school and you come home when the kids are home from school so that you're not coming in exhausted after picking a child late up from childcare. That's something to just think about. To, to look at um, having some sort of supportive work um, from from your mate, to look at dividing up, as Dr. Walker mentioned, she and her husband divide up the work, to, to look at home, to, to look at ways of, if you have a partner, distributing those tasks and communicate openly about them. I think that's one thing women don't do very well is often communicating out loud what they need and what they would like. They expect so many times for their partner to read their mind. And we need to be careful about expecting people to know what you need. Um, so to sit down and do some searching and decide what do you need and then to express it. And if you don't have a partner who is there in the home, to reach out to someone who perhaps could help you. That might be your best friend. It might be your mother. It might be your aunt. It might be someone in the church. But to come up with what you need and then ask for it. Um Learn to do things for yourself um, and and remind yourself that that even though this is hard, the good news is that that there is support out there if you will just ask for it. So with all that said, I just want to thank all of our, our mothers and fathers out there. Um, we're going to be talking more about mother-father relationship over the next um, month or so. And so I want everybody to remember how important it is to just be out there, be supportive, remember the value of 
of yourself and what you have to offer and then ask for support when you need it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio, and funded is provided in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and support from people like you, our listeners. If you'd like to hear the show again or any past episodes, you can listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking. The show is a production of MPB Think Radio, engineered by Jay White. Um, call screener uh, is Abram Nanny. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll see you next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone.